Uh, today, uh, we are getting ready to enter into a, a series. I'm not normally a series type of guy, uh, but the Lord has led me to the book of Galatians, and there are principles and things that we really need to understand as believers. Uh, Galatians is known as the uh, Cliff Notes of Romans. It is the condensed version of Romans. And uh, if, if, if you are somebody who studies to that extent uh, and all of those things, Galatians contains a lot of Christian living and a lot of doctrine about the gospel and about living by faith and, and freedom from sin and, and new life in Christ. And so over the next uh, three or four weeks, give or take, we are going to dive into this book and uh, of the Bible, and we are going to cover topics that Paul teaches in the book of Galatians. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, well, I'm not really into the whole series style of preaching and teaching and, and all of those things, and there, there are people who have preferences on that, but, you know, when you really realize something about the Word of God is that the whole Bible is a series in and of itself, a series of teachings and, and stories of faith and victory and all of those things in a grand story called the redemption of man. Amen. So if you preach the Bible, you preach a series. Amen. And so as we dive into this, this is going to be more teaching than it is preaching. I know some people like to shout and get excited and, and have all of those things, but uh, Jesus said that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are really good at loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. But sometimes we neglect to love him with our mind and dive in and learn and grow in just the knowledge of him. Amen? We can shout and get excited, but we also need to know what we're even shouting about. Amen? Uh, so with that being said, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, starting with verses 1 through 5, we're going we're gonna to jump around through chapter 1 today a little bit, uh, but we're going to start there. And uh, if you got your Bibles and you want to go there with us today, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and if you're able to and wouldn't mind, if you would just stand this morning in honor of God's Word whenever you're ready. Amen. If you can't find it, or you forgot to charge your Bible this morning, uh, it'll be up on the screen as well. Some of you will catch the whole charging your Bible thing later. Galatians 1, verses 1 through 5. This is where we're going to start this journey today. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray today. Heavenly Fathers, we dive into your word. God, I pray that you would guide us through every verse, every jot and tittle, Lord, that we will soak into our heart and our spirit the truth that is revealed to these letters that were written to the Galatian church, Father. God, I pray that it would shape our hearts and minds and grow us in our faith, Lord, that we can love you with our entire mind today, Father. Let us grow in the deepness of knowledge today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. 
Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, Paul starts out uh, really introducing himself. He says, first off, you need to know this is me, Paul, and I am an apostle. An apostle is somebody who has apostolic authority over a church to declare the works of God. They're, 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 you might consider something like a missionary today to be an equivalent to an apostle in a lot of ways. Uh, they offer a lot of correction. They offer a lot of uh, uh, direction to churches back then. Back then, church structure was a lot different in the early centuries of the church and the early life of the church. You had apostles, you had elders instead of pastors uh, in a lot of ways, and so there would be a community, and there would be an apostle that would write letters, and there would be elders and leaders of that church that would communicate uh, what thus says the Lord to the people. And Paul oftentimes would was is probably the most famous of all the apostles as he has written two-thirds of the New Testament. And uh, he's no, also known as the one who used to persecute Christians, and we'll get to that here in a little while. Uh, but, but he's starting out this letter, introducing himself, establishing the authority of who he is and who God sent him to be to this church. And he starts out giving them the gospel message, and he tells them, he says, this isn't a message from man that I have received or through man. He goes, I had a direct revelation of Jesus himself that has led me to this new life. And he goes, and the gospel message is this. It is, excuse me, it is Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, verses three through five there. He is giving them the synopsis of the gospel, the, the, the summary of the gospel, that number one, we are forgiven of our sins and we are free and delivered from this present evil age. And he's telling them this and he's starting out this letter like this. And, and it's a unique way because when you look at a lot of his other letters that he has written, usually he's praising and giving admonishment to people. Uh, in these churches saying, hey, I praise God for your faith. I praise God that you have done this and this and this well. But he immediately starts this out sharing the gospel with them and then going right in to the very next section of verses. In verse number six, he makes the statement, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of you who are troubled and want to distort the gospel of Christ to you. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we already preach to you, let him be accursed. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you this gospel message and there is something that has happened within the church where there is another gospel, not that there really is another gospel, but it is being preached to you. And when we take the, the beginning part of Galatians, when he's, when he's clarifying right out of the gate, he's saying the gospel that I deliver to you is not of man and it's not through man. So he's basically telling the Galatians there is a gospel that is being preached that is a man gospel, not a God gospel. It is the words of man rather than the words of God. And he's, he's saying how, he goes, I'm astonished at how quickly you are turning from him. I find it interesting that he says you are turning from him who called you. Not just the gospel message, but 
he's essentially saying to follow another gospel, to reject the true gospel is to reject Christ himself. That's a heavy statement. Because in a world where spirituality is very popular, you'll ask people, Do you, are you a Christian? They'll say, well, I'm spiritual. What does that even mean? Well, they believe that there's a spirit realm and they believe in all this stuff. Some people worship these shiny little rocks and they say, well, this rock brings healing and this rock brings that. I just believe in the rock of ages and his name is Jesus and he's the firm foundation we stand on and he's the only rock that matters. And he's the only true rock. There, there's, this, there's all this spirituality in the world. And, and I, I've even listened. Uh, there, there was somebody. I was watching the Today Show. That's what it was. And there was a guy on there. And he he's just recently wrote a book. Uh, I forget the title of it. But it had to do with spirituality. And it hit me in that moment as I was also studying this. This was just a few days ago. I was, I'd been studying this. And then this hit me. And I'm like, this is still an issue today. There are people trying to present another gospel out there. And he goes into this whole thing about uh, the journey of spirituality and how life doesn't really have much meaning without spirituality. And he goes, you got to find the spirituality that works for you. And, and on your, some people are religious and they go to church. And he goes on this whole thing and I'm sitting there. I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. He is so lost. But the funny thing is, is it is close enough to the truth to to almost sound true, but yet still be totally false. And when he was saying things like spirituality is important, yes, it's important, but the true spiritual life is what's important. He had this whole other thing that he he was, it was like he was so close yet so far away. And it is because... So many come so close yet are so far away that it is so easy to draw God's people from the truth of Christ. It even goes back to the Garden of Eden. It, it was it, when, when Satan was tempting Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was questioning and, and saying, did God, did God really say that, that, that you shouldn't eat this and you, and you would die? And it, it, there be, it starts with this questioning, and, and, and he keeps, he walks this line of, you won't die if you eat that. In one sense, he was right. In another sense, he was totally wrong. And, and he was deceiving, as Satan does. He is the father of all lies. He was saying, you aren't going to, like, die. And, and, and she did not immediately die. Adam did not immediately die, but there was a spiritual death that came upon them, and that's the side they didn't see. I say that to say this, it is so important for us to discern what is the truth of God's Word and what is not. Because there is, there is, there is messages out there that sound good and even use Scripture from the Bible to back them up, that it, it, but it is so far off from the doctrine of Scripture, the overarching story of what God has declared. It is, it, and it's so easy, and so many are deceived by it because it sounds so wonderful, and it's pleasing to the ears. 
But one thing that Paul declares in the New Testament is that there is coming a time, and Jesus has said it too, that people won't listen to sound doctrine and sound teaching anymore. They will chase after what tickles their ears and makes them feel good and what makes them... Listen, what's, what's, what's the saying... Um, People may not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That, that, that reality, that is a true statement. People will remember how you made them feel. And, and there are, I, I hate to say this because I don't want to just bash churches and bash uh, all of this stuff, but there are people who take advantage of that reality and they have established churches on making you feel really good and you walk out of church every Sunday feeling empowered, feeling strong and, and you can conquer everything and, and they, they build it on that foundation rather than the foundation of the gospel of Christ. And although, yes, there is victory, there is, there, is, there is freedom, there is wonderful things, there is joy, there is peace, there is hope, there is all of those great things that we do feel as believers, those things are true. But it is not the only truth. Jesus doesn't save us so that we can just feel happy and be at peace all the time. He saves us so that we do not die and suffer for our sin. But, but you see what I, where I'm getting at? Again, it's close to that line. Because yes, he, 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 he saves us from our sin, but there is also an element of joy, peace, love, the fruits of the Spirit, which we will get to in another week, in a different week, that Galatians also talks about. There are all of those things. But the problem is, is there is a gospel being preached in the Galatian church that, that leaves out the reality of sin, that leaves out the, the, tr- or the full gospel of Jesus, and it is a gospel that pleases men. And that is revealed to us in later verses. Uh, verse 9 says, As we have said before, now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I'm going to stop there before I get in there. Contrary to the one you received. In other words, there's gospel messages that say you can live however you want to live. You don't need to repent. You don't need forgiveness because God died on the cross. It's all taken care of and it is paid for. We are free from condemnation, but we are not free from the commandments of God. We, we still have a responsibility of obedience and purity and holiness. And we will probably touch on that maybe next week. But I really want to get this across to you. He goes on in verse 10. He says, For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking, excuse me, the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Because if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He is shocked that they have fallen and are walking away from Christ and following another gospel message. But what is revealed in verses 9 and 10 is that the gospel message that is being presented to them is a message that pleases us in our flesh, but does not please and honor God. He he doesn't really get into the super specifics of what exactly is being taught. And And I imagine that it is because there is a vast variety of gospel messages out there that have been preached. And, and I find it funny how, like, you know, the Bible is 
2,000 some years old, and, 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 it's, and it still is relevant today. It's got thousands of years worth of history and teaching and experiences, but when you read it, you see that people really didn't change that much. Yes, technology changed. Our way of life changed. We don't ride camels. We drive cars. We, we, we don't live in deserts and in mud huts. We have really nice houses, at least here in the United States. Some countries still, still live that way. But the reality of it is, is that sin nature that has been there since the fall of man it still remains throughout history, and it has corrupted the gospel of Christ to lead people astray. And it is so important for us to be planted in the Word of God to know what is true. You see, it, it, it gets so tempting. It, it is, it's a real temptation for a preacher to get up and avoid topics altogether because it, people don't like to hear what the Word of God says. It's a, it's a major temptation. There are, there are things that I have talked about since we've been here in our short time that I did not want to say, but I knew that I had to be obedient to what God was saying in His Word. That is the reality of it. If I stand here to please you and to make you just feel good all the time, one, that would really be easy to do. I would just stand here and say, oh, you're perfect and you're wonderful and you're fearfully and wonderfully made, which is true. And then I would probably go into something else like, listen, it doesn't matter that you do that. God doesn't care. He died to forgive you of that. You can do whatever. I could sit here and I could say all those things. You would walk out of here feeling really, really good, but you would stand before God someday condemned because you lived by a lie. And then I would be held accountable for that. I, I don't really... I, I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. I want you to walk out of here feeling empowered and encouraged, but the reality of God's word is, is even still to this day, I read it and I sit there and I say, oh God, help me. I am missing the mark. It is by God's grace that he convicts us by his word. If we did not have conviction, we would not have repentance. If we did not have repentance, we would not have forgiveness. And if we did not have forgiveness, we would have no eternal life. A message that does not convict and a message that just makes you feel good. Listen, we, we've had services here even the past few weeks where people have said, I just felt so encouraged, I felt blessed. But, but you, can, you can feel that way as well too. But if that's all it ever is, and you can feel comfortable in your sin, there is a problem. One of those things of empowerment should be, I feel empowered through the grace of God to overcome the sin in my life and to walk free from that addiction, from that mess, and to walk under a power of the Holy Spirit that lets me live in freedom from sin, not freedom to go in sin. That's the empowerment we should feel. And we should also feel remorse when we sin. And Paul is saying, there is something going on that is pleasing to you. And he says, listen, if I'm trying to please you, then I'm not a servant of Christ. 
if my, if my goal is to make you feel good, and although I am a servant in one sense of the word, that, my servanthood is more to Christ than it is to you. I am a servant of Christ first. And if there's anything that I do to serve you that contradicts my responsibility and obligation to God, then I, then I cancel out my servanthood to Christ. And now I'm just a servant of man and just to make them feel good. And if I can't serve your ego and I can't serve the happy little warm feeling you feel on the inside, it's going to be a mess. But I know that if I stand and I serve God in truth and in righteousness, it won't matter about your ego and all those things because God will sort all that out and it'll all work out for his glory. And that doesn't just apply to me. We have a responsibility as the people. This, this letter was not just written to the main leader of the Galatian church and people. It was written to the people as a whole. Paul is trying to tell them, don't live and proclaim a lie just to make people happy and to not rustle any feathers. It doesn't mean we seek out conflict and fights. It doesn't mean we stand on the street corners with signs saying, God hates this and you're going to go to hell. That doesn't work. Jesus did not hesitate to tell somebody you're in sin and you need to be free from that sin. He told the woman caught in adultery, I, they don't condemn you, neither do I, but go and sin no more. There is a way to t- give the truth of God's word in a loving way. Loving doesn't mean you walk on eggshells, and what, but loving means you tell the truth in a way that is compassionate and caring towards a person saying, I love you so much that I have to tell you that this, this thing here is leading you down a path of death and destruction, and I want you to know that there is another path that leads to hope and eternal life. There, there's a way to do that, and I, I don't have time to dive into the 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 theology and the structure and the planning and and strategies of evangelism today, but I need you to understand where my heart is on this. We all have a responsibility to walk in the truth of God's word, to speak the truth of God's word, and to not worry about if people like us or not for it. There are people that I have come in contact with in my life through working and other things that we were very much on opposite sides of the spectrum of this gospel message. I worked with a gentleman who lived in a homosexual lifestyle. He, he was into drag. He was into all of that. He was a very nice, kind man. There, there was no issue there until he found out that I was a believer in Christ. And it wasn't that I came against him to try and attack him and come against him. It was was a tension that was put there because he was waiting to see how I would treat him. He says, now that all the cards are on the table, what's going to happen? There was another gentleman that I worked with that looked at me one day and he says, there's two things I never want to talk about. He goes, religion and politics. He says, if we can stay away from those two topics, we'll get along just fine. 
There was other people like that. But can I tell you in every instance, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, I'm trying to tell you that this stuff works. I stuck to the truth, but I did it in a way that I still showed love and compassion. I, I had gospel conversations with these people and they listened to what I said because of the way I treated them in every other aspect of our interactions with each other. It, you don't have to just like blow people off and, and run away from people and, and stay in your own little corner. But when you're founded on truth and love, God opens doors to share the gospel message. I wish I could stand here and say that that gospel was accepted and their life was changed in that moment. And maybe today it is, but I haven't seen them in years. But I know and I can stand before God and say, I planted the seed that you gave me to plant. I spent a lot of time on that one this morning. There is a gospel that Paul is addressing here that is a man's gospel. I feel very passionate about this because there is one thing in this world that frustrates me and irritates me is that it is a false gospel that is leading people on a road to hell. I, 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 people say, you're young, but you, you preach like you've been you're like 80 years old and you're from the old church and you're from this and like, like you don't preach like a modern day. I'm like, that's because I stick to what is ancient and true. I, I don't want to just tickle ears and please people and, and build the kingdom of Brandon. I want to build the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is truth and righteousness. And Paul is addressing this with them. He's saying, listen, He's saying, listen, he goes on in verse 11. He says, I, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip down to verse 15 and 16. It says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. What Paul is saying here is he's declaring the purity of the revelation and gospel message of Christ to them. He's saying, listen, I got this straight from the source. If you know the story of Paul, he used to be called Saul. He was a massive persecutor of believers in Jesus. He tried to destroy the gospel message. Killed many Christians to do so. And he had an experience on the road to Damascus where he was knocked off his donkey and he was struck with blindness and had a vision from Jesus himself saying, why are you persecuting me? He had this life-changing moment in his life that gave him a true revelation of Christ. And it was not a revelation that anybody but Jesus himself gave. Now, I, I say that to say this. At that point in time, there was no Bible. 
there was the scrolls, there was the manuscripts that had been written, Isaiah and all the prophets. But, but at this point, we didn't have the book of Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians. We didn't have that. Jesus had come and walked this earth. He is the Word made flesh. I'm going somewhere with this. Our revelation of Jesus comes from the Word. Jesus encompassed and embodied every aspect of the messages of God throughout all of time, from Genesis, through Leviticus, through Deuteronomy, through all of them, through all the prophets. He fulfilled and manifested. He became the law and died to the law so that we could be free from the condemnation of the law. And, and he became all of those things. He encompassed and embodied the word of God. And when he walked this earth, he set the example and, and the standard by which we as believers should walk. And I say this to say, I say all that to say this, you may not have a road to Damascus experience in, in a literal sense, and maybe you have and maybe you will. I'm, I'm not the one that gets to decide that, but the reality of it is, is we have the Word made flesh now in a book form where every part of everything that God has ever declared and decreed that we need to know and understand about the reality of who God is, who Jesus is, and the salvation work and the revelation of Jesus himself is in the palm of our hands. And I say all of that to say this, you have to have your own true revelation of Jesus. I can't, you, you can't serve the Jesus of Brandon. You can't serve the Jesus of Riley or of Mackenzie. You have to serve the God of the Bible. If the Jesus you have created in your mind does not line up with the word that was written down, it is not the Jesus of the Bible. We need to filter and discern everything through his word. If, if somebody is preaching a message that does not line up with scripture, it is very, very unlikely that God gave them some revelation outside of his word. Somebody said it like this one time. So how do you know you're hearing from God? How do you know that God gave you a revelation? And he said this statement. He sounds like what he wrote. In other words, there are, it may not be the exact scripture. God may not lead you to Isaiah chapter whatever, verse whatever, and this is the statement for you. Although sometimes he does. He will say, what I told them, I'm now telling you. But there are principles that are taught in Scripture, doctrines, and, and there is it, the character of God is revealed through Scripture. And if anything that we feel God is telling us does not line up with his character, it is a false gospel. You have to know the word. Like, you will never get the whole Bible in your lifetime just from coming to church on a Sunday morning. It would be impossible. I would die. It took thousands of years to write it. I can teach a lot of it. I can preach a lot of it. I can get you the main points of it and the biggest, most important doctrines and all of those things. But there are individual things for you. God speaks to you as an individual through his word. And... 
It is the guideline for everything that we do in our life. It is a pure gospel. It is a pure message. We need to understand that if what is taught does not line up with what is written, it is false. And Paul was declaring to them that even, even though we didn't have the New Testament, there was Old, old Covenant, old, old Testament prophecies and things, and he was basically telling them something isn't lining up with what you're being taught. And if it doesn't line up with what God has already declared, then it is false, and that is still true today. But I want to share this with you, and then we, then we will close today. This, this revelation that Paul is talking about came at a beautiful, perfect time for him in his life. It came at a point where the transformation of his life was so strong and so powerful that people could do nothing but glorify God because of it. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, Paul says this, They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. I I want you to understand today that there is only one gospel, and Paul is a living, breathing, at least at this time, he's in glory now, but Paul, when he was writing to the Galatians, Galatian people, he was a living, breathing example of the power of the gospel message. He, he wasn't just a lost sinner who didn't know the truth. He was a leading scholar of his day in the laws of God. And he was violently against the message of Jesus Christ that was being preached throughout the land to the point he was literally killing to stop it. And he's saying to us today, listen, it doesn't matter how far away from the truth you are. It wasn't that he just was ignoring it. He was actively trying to kill the message, kill the gospel, and stop it because it was away from the religious mess that he was raised in and taught in. And he's saying to us today through his word, I was so far gone that I was actively against the truth of God and the gospel. But today, Paul says, God is glorified because even though I hated it, I was against it. I tried everything in my power to stop it. God came in and messed me up and called me to be one of his children. And I tell you today that the gospel message is rooted so deeply in love and grace and mercy. It is full of forgiveness And it is so necessary. Because if God can even save Paul, who wasn't just a lost sinner who just didn't know any better, but knew better, knew what the prophecy said, knew what the Old Testament declared, knew the prophecies about Jesus, but yet ignored all of them, 
and was actively against it, how much more can he change one of us? There are people in this world that think they are too far gone, therefore they don't try. But they have not met the Jesus that we know. The gospel is such a powerful, powerful thing. And we're getting ready here in just a few moments to go celebrate new life in the gospel through water baptism today. But I, I just need you all to understand today that there's only one gospel message It is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and the deliverance from eternal suffering. Does that mean your life is going to be perfect and rainbows and unicorns and cupcakes? Absolutely not. Maybe your life is full of many blessings. And even if it's not the blessings you think other people have, you have your own blessings. And in spite of all of your mess, in spite of all of your sin, God stands today in front of an empty grave saying those things don't have power over you anymore. You have been atoned for by the blood of my son Jesus and you can walk in newness of life. That is the gospel. And, he, and that's for us. There is no other gospel but that. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?